You're listening to The Preppy Podcast. I'm your host, Patricia May Marish, and I'll be interviewing the brands, businesses, and influencers who are keeping the modern preppy lifestyle alive. Each Tuesday, I'll bring you a new episode, but if you're craving more preppy, then shop the merch at thepreppypodcast.com and follow at The Preppy Podcast on social media. Today's episode is with Liana of Gooseneck Vineyards. You'll learn all about how a dream and a why not me moment led to creating their own wines from around the world. As always, remember, you can follow along with me at Preppy Publicist and at the Preppy Podcast on social media. I love hearing from listeners. And if you love this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you shared it on social media and told your friends to give it a listen. All right, now let's dive into this week's episode. All right. So let everyone know who you are, where you live, and what you do. My name is Liana Bonanno. Um, I run Gooseneck Vineyards with uh, my cousin and partner. And um, I split my time between Rhode Island and New York. Um, And Gooseneck Vineyards, we produce wines all over the world. Um, So this is kind of like a short answer, but I hope it (laughs) it clarifies. No, that's perfect. We'll dive right in like later on about more Sounds in depth. Um, so tell me a little bit about growing up. Like, were you always entrepreneurial? Were you close with your cousin then since you have business with him? Like, tell me a little bit about where you grew up and what it was like. So I was actually born in Europe. Um, and I came to the U.S. when I was 15. Um, but I'm told I've been laughed at since I was four years old because I would tell people I would um, – open up and run a bank and I would call it bank of dreams. (laughs) And I always wanted to, I'm like, I'm going to, I didn't even know that what that concept really mean, but I'm like, I'm going to go give money to people and they're going to do amazing things with it. (laughs) And that's what I was kind of going for. Um, in, um, in terms of my cousin. So it's actually like once, um, my friend who's now my husband, um, was from Rhode Island and that was my connection and into Rhode Island. So I feel like I'm kind of part of the family mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. So where exactly in Europe then were you born? Where'd you grow up? So it's a small country called Latvia. Okay. Um, the kind of interesting thing about it is I think most of the people, many of the people in Europe and definitely the part where I grew up, um, you kind of grow up with four to five languages at a time. Um, so that came in handy, even though those are not the languages that I speak now as much, but it, it does give me kind of an edge about picking up and learning new languages, uh, which came in extremely handy for the business and where we're starting out. Um, just because when you're you know, trying to establish a new business relationship with somebody, it's always much easier when you speak that person's language. Definitely. Yeah. Especially with wine, because your wines are from all over the world. So exactly. I'm sure that was yep. helpful. Um, so now, where and what did you study if you went to college? Did you stay in the U.S., I'm assuming, for? Yeah, I went, to, I went to um, NYU in New York, the Stern okay. Business School. Uh, because I was going to open up a bank one day, and um, that was the, that was still the goal. Um, so I was a banker um, after graduation, 
um, spent about a decade in finance and, um, my last gig, I was working in something called restructuring. So we would come in and kind of analyze and help out businesses that were in trouble. So I got to see a large gamut of different kind of businesses. And, you know, I got to see CEOs and board of directors of companies that have been doing what they're doing for 20, 30, 40 years. And they were looking, you know, these young persons, like, tell us what to do. Um, So I think that, that, definitely gave me the confidence to think I could do pretty much anything I want going forward. <laughs> That's so cool. First of all, I'm impressed that you had the perseverance to, you had this dream that you wanted to be a banker and then you stuck with that sort of realm of business because I'm pretty sure I wanted to be a dance instructor and a vet and I, yeah. I that ended really quickly. So <laughs> I love that you stuck with it. Um, but that also sounds like it was great experience then for, like you said, it gave you confidence to go off on your own when you were ready to start your business. But it also sounds like you were able to learn from other people and like what they were doing wrong and why they were failing and why other people were succeeding and all of that, which I think there's no better way to learn than sometimes failing. So at least you can watch other people, not that you want to see other people fail, of but, course. Yeah, um, absolutely. but yeah. you can learn from that and use it for your advantage. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's also, I think one of the basics that I walked away with it is it's okay. Everything is going to, everything works out eventually. Mm -hmm. Like you just have to take it one step at a time. Um, you know, it's, there's a lot of stress usually in those situations when the companies are failing. Mm -hmm. Um, but in it's, it just gave me that, like, we can figure it out kind of attitude. Yeah. So now how long were you there and in that industry? Uh, so it's just um, over a decade okay. that I spent in finance. Yeah. So then when and why did you decide like, hey, I could have a, a wine yeah, business? Yeah, I could like, have a wine business. Like how did that come about? That's also a dream of everyone, I feel like. <laughs> it is. When I, when I quit my job, the number of notes I received, I was like, I wish I had the guts to do what you did. Um, <laughs> so I, you're, I think you're absolutely right. This is everybody's dream and I'm actually living it. So I am very fortunate to be in the position. Um, but I think it was a culmination of factors. Um so one, I was a mom. Okay. At that point, I had my first son. And I always knew I would be a working mom. And I remember one of my mentors saying to me, you better love what you do every day so much. Because when these kids wrap their little arms around your legs and start crying, mommy, please don't go. Mm-hmm. The only way you're going to leave that house if you love your, love what you do so much and I, those words just kept ringing in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though I had a you know successful career, I enjoyed what I was doing. But I'm like, I don't know if I if it's if that love is strong enough for me to walk out. And I remember, like on so many trips for Gooseneck, when I had to leave, it was I never hesitated when they cry and say, "Mommy, please don't go." But you know, to me, Gooseneck is another child. Yeah, so I would just go. Like I say, like, I can't <laughs> forget another baby because like you guys are crying I have to go tend to him Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so that was definitely a big part of like trying to find like I need to find something that I'm so passionate about um and then at the same time like coming you know we would be coming back and forth to Rhode Island all the time and um my um 
my cousin and my husband would always like, you know, we'd have dinners here on the shores of Narragansett Bay and we'd, we'd have family and friends and food and wine. And I'm like, how are we not like people should feel this moment. Like it, it just makes all the stress disappear. Like mm-hmm. you could have the most stressful job. You come out here, you pour yourself a glass of wine, you look out in the water on the bridges and it's, it, it just feels amazing. All the stress goes away. Like, and I couldn't stop thinking about like, how do we share this moment? Like, how do we like share the sentiment with others? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's the other factor was also like, we had, um, I think we just came back from a trip to Sonoma and I remember seeing, you know, all these different wineries producing great wines, but at the same trying to produce other wines with the grapes that don't really belong growing there. Okay. And then there was also this factor of like, okay, we have these barrels, but, you know, we really don't have the money to get new barrels and, and we have to tend to that. So like you, you saw a production where people are trying to make and push out things that don't really belong growing there or being made there. And they were kind of just doing that for the consumer demand and for the money. For the money, just trying to sustain themselves. It's like, you know, most of the wineries and they're farmers, they're Mm -hmm. farmers and, you know, that's what they do best. And they're just trying to make the best of it and trying to figure things out. Yeah. I remember Paul, um, my business partner, would always say like, we could do this better. We could do this better. And one of the days I said, let's do it. Let's do this better. (laughs) Um, so yeah, we quit our jobs and, you know, started figuring out how to do it better. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's amazing. Okay. And so what was Paul's background then? What did he um, come from that? Yeah. So Paul there? actually grew up in the wine industry. Oh. Um, yeah. His father started a wine store after World War II here in Rhode Island. And um, so he he has an incredible palate and taste and figuring out like how the wine will evolve and what it should taste like. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he spent um, 10 years working for a California winery. Wow. So seeing, yeah, the, the whole production and sales. And um, so he's definitely bring obviously a lot of the wine experience to the table. It sounds like the perfect pair then because you have that business finance side and he has, you know, the wine industry side of how it's all made and how it works. Um, Okay, so that like is amazing. So that is so cool. So now tell me what were some of the first steps to taking this idea and making it happen? Like, did you go and search for these vineyards or um, were you more focused on what your your core would be and, you know, where you would sit in the market? Like, tell me a little bit about launching it and the first steps. Yeah. So um, alcohol industry in the U.S. is extremely regulated. Um, so there's a lot of licensing involved. Um, so I think the first step was like, all right, even if we find the people, which was kind of a simultaneous process, mm-hmm. uh, because we knew we had to find the people who would be willing to work with us. That was a big one. So it's not, you know, we don't just take somebody else's wine and put our label on it. Like it's somebody like, okay, you're going to go grapes and this is what we're going to do together. And this is how we're going to make the wine. Yeah. <laughs> and they have to they have to be okay with it. Um, you know, we had this image, how our final product is going to look uh, and what it's going to taste like for, you know, every varietal. And we're, you know, we didn't really want to deviate from that. Um, so between figuring out the legal steps and like, how do we actually do it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, to make sure we abide by the law to 
figuring out the wine aspect of it. Um, that took that took a long time. <laughs> yeah, but how I, long I, did that take before, like from idea to when you officially launched and you had bottles ready to sell? How long was that? So I think we did a trial within the first two years okay. of just one varietal. I think we launched Pinot Grigio, and we've evolved packaging after that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would say we didn't have the portfolio the way we thought. And again, we, we improve it every year, but yeah. I think it would it'd probably be six years. Oh, wow. Okay. But that's still a leg up then because you guys are going and finding – um, wine, wineries to partner with and vineyards to partner with essentially where you guys are coming up and crafting what varietal and what, what you want to taste like and what you want to offer. Um, whereas you're not going out and having to build your own vineyard essentially from the ground up. Cause I, one of our family friends is building a vineyard right now and just to get the grapes growing. I mean, they're not going to have one right. for at least three years because yeah, they're absolutely. digging and all of that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so at least that, as well. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So tell me a little bit about then, like how you went about choosing and selecting, like, were you flying out to um, California and kind of all over the world? Yeah. Looking yeah, at, we were, um, yeah. We were, so Italy was the first one because I was, um, um, I would travel to Italy even before we started the business all the time. So I had a lot of relationships there. I speak okay. the language. Oh, wow. um, so it was just kind of like, and it's, it's a very kind of small industry with referrals. So mm-hmm. it's easier to ask people like, Oh, do you know this? Or do you know that? And we're looking for somebody one, obviously like with a great reputation as a person, somebody who shares our values. And as I mentioned before, like somebody who, who would be willing to do what we need them to do. Like, for yeah. example, not to stereotype or anything, but France was one of the last countries we got on board. <laughs> <laughs> because as I'm sure everybody would appreciate it, but like you, can, you can't tell a French farmer what you want him to do. It's like, yeah. you're not going to tell me what to do. <laughs> Go back home. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Oh, my um, gosh. Yeah, but our like French Chardonnay is, you know, we put a little bit of Viognier in there. Okay. Um, we wanted it, you know, as an example, not buttery, just like just a little bit of hint of oak. Yeah. Um, to nicely round it out. And I think the Viognier gives it like an extra special taste and character with like amazing aromas. Um, so again, it's a lot of specifications specifically to the wine and obviously like the end packaging as well that um, we found out we found these, this family who's actually, you know, she's French, but he was born in um, the Netherlands. So that's why I think it worked out. (laughs) He's like, Oh, no problem. I'll do that. Yeah, sure. (laughs) I love that. Um, So that's a good point is yeah. In, in a way it was easier because you're not like literally digging holes for the vines. Um, You're partnering with businesses, but then that's harder in a sense, because like you said, it has to be the right fit. Like you have to be, have to feel good about doing business with them and be on, they have to be on the same page as you. And then obviously they have to have great tasting wine. So that's almost like, you know, double the search. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the wine was, was the base, but I think at the end of the day, what we wanted to deliver to people is just everybody we kind of broke the winemaking process into different steps like you have I think most people don't realize when they do drink wine or think of wineries 
like people that work at the wineries are farmers. Mm-hmm. They're nothing more than farmers. That's all they want to do. They want to like they look tend to their vineyards and grapes, it's their crops. Yeah, that's that's their that's the life. And then yeah. the personality of a winemaker is a completely different person. So I would think it's more of a, like. Um, chemist sounds harsh, but it's more of that. Like at what point do you start a fermentation? Do you stop it? At mm-hmm. what temperature should we, you know, pick the grapes and, and start? Like it just, there are components that are more that impact the final product, which is very different from what a farmer would do. Yeah. And, and that, so did you yeah, say ahead. the Pinot Grigio was your first then or? Yep. yep. Okay. The Pinot Grigio was our first. Again, it's, um, you know, I, I don't want to call it an entry wine, but it is for most people. So I think it was, um, we were thinking about it. All right. That's a good you know, one to try things mm-hmm. with. Yeah. Um, if that one works, uh, you know, we should be, we should be okay to go with, you know, to keep going. And I think, um, so the first year we put it out in the market and I think it was in three stores and we sold about a thousand cases across Good. these without with again without any marketing with, without yeah. any effort. we wanted to see if it pulls if people come back for it mm-hmm. on their own so now what today what are all the wines you offer and from where Ooh, um so <laughs> we, yeah, we have we have a quite a quite a range um, okay. of varietals these days um which are very excited about but you know we basically offer what i want to what i call uh, ready to open so it's kind of like ready to wear in fashion but we're I ready to love open. that <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah it's it, you know high quality everyday wine mm-hmm. um and we have everything from you know starting in sparkling to you know the reds and the idea is any wine you open you could have it it's going to pair phenomenally well with a meal but you can also sip it on your own that's perfect. Um, and I've actually had your wine before. We I haven't found it here in Pennsylvania, I don't think, but we went to Virginia, for, actually to a lot of wineries, and at the store at a store there, I found it and I had it. And just the the branding and the logo oh, and everything nice. attracted me. Um, and I had and it was it was amazing. So Oh, I'm glad. Yeah. So now how um how would you describe your brand to those who might not know it? Like it's ready to wear wine, you said. Ready um, to open. <laughs> ready to open, sorry. Yes. <laughs> you could wear the labels. I we we've actually totally. got, yeah, you could totally wear it. We had some uh people would send us some somebody was taking off a label from every bottle that they drank and they were making wallpaper out of it. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is cool. Isn't it? I'm like, that's really neat. I'm like, I should send you some bottles just just to keep it going. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, but you know, we're trying to, again, like, so we're high quality everyday wines for any palate. Um, I'm extremely proud of our portfolio because it's, it's, you know, it, it appeals to um, a novice wine drinker, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's appreciated um, by somebody who I'd call a wine snob yeah. because every one of our wines is varietally correct. Um, at the same time, it's approachable and has like an, an interesting twist usually. Um, and in terms of the packaging, you know, like I was, tr- we were trying to, to bring to life that feeling, that sentiment I was um, talking about earlier about like mm-hmm. sitting on the, you know, in the shore of Narragansett Bay with family and friends you know, whether it's or playing tennis in your beach club or, you know, just walking, strolling the Newport streets. Um, 
or going out to the vineyard or untuck it. It's like trying to put that all in the label so that when you pick up that wine bottle, you take a look at it and you kind of transport yourself there for a few minutes um, as you drink your glass of wine. Definitely. And I think you guys do a great job with that. Like it's not, it's not just the wine, it's the experience and the lifestyle. And I think you do a great job. If you look at your Instagram, you get that, that feeling. And like I said, just your logo, like pulled me in. It's so new England and classic and preppy and like, um, a resort ocean lifestyle. So I think you're doing a great job with that. Um, and so speaking of marketing, like what's been, your greatest marketing tool? Like how have you spread the word, would you say? Um, I think the best marketing tool for us definitely has been up until COVID began. Um, so we had a team of ambassadors that okay. would do tastings in various stores across a bunch of states where our wines are carried. Um, and I think once people try it, they were kind of hooked. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a small winery here in, um, Wickford, Rhode Island, which is a quintessential New England town. If anybody has, hasn't been to, I highly recommend a visit. Um, so we do like to give people a taste of our wines. Um, and if they haven't tried it before, you know, they usually love it and then they tell their friends and they bring it back home. Um, so that's definitely by far has been the best marketing tool for us. Awesome. Um, now I have to ask you, how's working with family? I, my mom Ooh. helps a lot with my <laughs> bookkeeping and stuff like that. And, um, even my grandparents business oh, wow. is kind of like a family thing. So how, so how's nice. working with your cousin? <laughs> um, you know, it's, as you know, it's, um, working with family could be challenging, but it's mm-hmm. also amazingly great. Like there is, it's just like, I feel like if it was a complete stranger, when you do have those arguments and you get mad at each other, you mm-hmm. just walk away and say, fine, I don't need it anymore. I'm going to get somebody <laughs> else. But you know, like this is family. We're not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like you, we come with a different approach to, you know, any kind of discussion that we do have. Definitely. And, and I like think, I said, it sounds like you guys balance each other too. with Exactly. What you guys have. Exactly. So I think, um, I think both Paul and I kind of let each other do our thing without, um, kind of really a lot of interference. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but you know, as any business requires a lot of combined decision making that we don't always agree on. And I think it's, you know, there's, there's a fun part about it too, about yeah. all the family arguments. But <laughs> then, you know, you sit across each other at the dinner table and you kind of like, okay, you have your wine and you don't think about it anymore. <laughs> and there's no one better to share the success with than, you know, than your family to enjoy it Absolutely. With. Absolutely. Yeah. So what would you say has been your greatest success um, in terms of your business? Like, is there something you did that you're really proud of, um, whether it's you've been featured in a certain magazine or, yeah. um, you know, a certain store picked you up? Like, what what's something that makes you really proud? You know, I feel like it's it was a it's a number of things. Um, and maybe they're, you know, little or big things, but um I, I I clearly remember just getting a text or an email. Your wine has been selected for a dinner at James Beard Foundation, oh. which is like for you know all the foodies that know who doesn't know. It's like the Oscars of the food world. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember reading it, and I was like jumping up and down in Rhode Island as I'm reading it, and it was like the day off. Otherwise, I probably would have been at that dinner, and. You know, I keep telling people around, it's like, our wine is a James Beard Foundation dinner. And they're like, a what? (laughs) 
know, I know. I, I can appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. But it's it was, you know, n- not a lot of people um, outside of the foodie world in New York know. But so that was a really cool moment for me personally. Um, I think also seeing four wines at a like really nice restaurant in New York City and knowing that their wine list was, you know, top wine list of the year by Wine Spectator wow. and seeing four of them on that list. That was that was oh an amazing gosh. feeling. Um, and then again, like to your point, like magazines picking up, whether it's, you know, the wine magazines or the regular magazines and seeing yourself in there and a picture. And then the kids bring is like, mommy, look, you're in the magazine <laughs> and uncle Paul is here too. <laughs> That's so cute. Those are all like great accomplishments. So congrats on those. Thank you. Thank you. So now on the flip side to that, like, what would you say has been the hardest part or the greatest challenge that you guys have had to overcome? Was it COVID um, or was it something else like just launching and figuring it all out? What would you say has been the hard part? You know what? I feel like um, the the legal background of all mm-hmm. of this is, is a constant challenge and it's never ending because it's it's every single time was like, well, are we allowed to do this? Yeah. Can we say this? And then it's very hard to get an answer. Like, for example, so we have, there's federal licensing, there is state licensing in every state, then there is town licensing. And it's it's like one says something else. And it just, it's it, you know, it's hard, it's, you know, it's hard enough to operate a small business as is yeah. and a growing bez- business. Mm-hmm. And on top of it, when you, when it's hard to make decisions and whether it's a marketing decision or a business decision with that, because you constantly have to check yourself like, well, what can we do? Yeah. What kind of license do we need to get to go do this and trying to figure that route out? Yeah. And yeah, sometimes you don't get a direct answer. I date a lawyer and I'm always like, Uh, can I do this? Can we do this? And sometimes they're like, no. It depends. Yeah. (laughs) And you're like, okay, so is that a yes or no? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And some of these states, like you, we, you know, try to get the licensing and they have a person that, you know, comes in every second Tuesday of the month. So like the backlog of emails to get your questions answered. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So now where do you get inspiration or is there like a person that inspires you or, you know, whether it's someone in business or someone in the wine industry or, you know, what, where do you get inspiration? You know, honestly, we get I and I think Paul would would probably say the same thing. I really get inspired when we do tastings and we get the reaction from people and how excited they are. And especially if it's a person, again, going back to that wine snob kind of coming back. Oh, I've had so many of those pictures, like kind of like I worked for Daniel Balut and I did this and I did this and I'm kind of like I'm such a big wine connoisseur so like you can't possibly I, I'm not gonna like your wines and they come in and they try it and they're like wow this is amazing and phenomenal and I can't wait to see you grow and like seeing those people convert and then seeing like the everyday consumer and educating people about wine and then being excited just mm-hmm. in general like for example yesterday I did a tasting of just the general range of Sauvignon Blancs not not even gooseneck ones, just because okay. I feel like an educated consumer then will better appreciate what we're offering with our wines. Yeah, definitely. So, so I think it's like just seeing their reactions and excitement and learning about wine, I think inspires us every day. Inspires you to keep going forward. Yeah, absolutely. 
Definitely. So now I had mentioned before we got on the call, but I'm, I love wine and especially love learning about it and taking classes and reading wine books and all of that. Um, yeah. But not everyone knows as much or, uh, you know, maybe isn't a hobby wine drinker. (laughs) Um, So talk to me and talk to listeners a little bit about your winemaking process for those who might not know. Like how long does it take you from idea of a new varietal to to having it on the shelves? Or um, talk a little bit about the challenges with the weather and the terroir, like all of that. You know, there are so many components um, in each one. You kind of deal one at a time. Like for example, um, uh, in France, we got hit by a gigantic frost um, mm. just as the buds broke. And I mean, that can, I, th- I think we lost probably 40% of the production. Oh my gosh. Um, so you kind of like, okay, let's scale down. And then you start planning for the next year in terms of like how, you know, what are we, what, and it's, you know, anticipating and trying to plan for it because mm-hmm. obviously you have restaurant accounts that depend on the wine and trying to manage that process kind of like almost a year ahead, which is so tough because you really have no control yep. um, of where things are going to end up. Um, but I think it it really does depend on like where Paul and I <laughs> agree or disagree on <laughs> So we had an interesting one was we had two varietals, which were both were really eager to produce. Um, so he wanted to produce it and I should probably have you try a bottle of that wine, but yeah. he was, he was gone home and um, a wine called Picpoul de Pinay. It's a varietal that um, almost nobody ever heard of, but it's yeah. one of the oldest varietals in the world. Um, the vines grow a lot in France a lot around the, one of the largest oyster lakes, oyster farms in oh. Europe. So the soil it's really is mineral. so exactly yeah. it's the fossilized soil picks up like the vines just pick it up, and the wine is very minerally, but it's also very floral. Oh. Um, so it's like perfect pairing to oysters or like seafood or just sipping mm-hmm. it on its own. Um, so, and I wanted to um, create our own kind of white blend from Vina Verde, Portugal, um, you know, and call it Wickford White. So, because I feel like people, a lot of people don't know Vina Verde and they don't, um, wouldn't try it exactly. Okay. But I'm like, you know, like. It's approachable. Exactly. Yeah. But because, you know, people, we have an, we kind of established reputation, gooseneck wines, they must be good. You mm-hmm. know, gooseneck vineyards makes all the wines are pretty good so i'll pick up a bottle and i'll try it um so we were this was a project in the making for probably three years i would say (laughs) because he wanted his i wanted mine so we just ended up making both oh i love that oh that's the perfect solution yeah like you know what (laughs) we're not gonna give in so like i just make both (laughs) oh that's perfect oh my gosh so now, who would your dream customer be? Like, obviously, you love everyone that tries your wine and enjoys it. Um, but if you picked, like, a celebrity or an influencer, like, who would you really Ooh. want to try your wine? Oh, that's that's a tough one. <laughs> Can I say Ryan Gosling? Is that yeah, true? <laughs> totally. He'd be the perfect <laughs> model for it. Right? Like, Can we bring Rachel, like, Rachel McAdams in there, too? Yes. <laughs> I love that. That's perfect. <laughs> All right. I'm 
glad you like it. <laughs> so now, what does preppy mean to you? Since this is the preppy podcast, I always yeah. ask everyone, what's preppy mean to you? So we went to um, a dinner on Saturday with my family um, at our local beach club. And it was in a room, which I really like. It has one of the best views in Rhode Island. But everybody has to, all the men has to wear have to wear jackets. Uh-huh. So um even the kids, so who are seven and nine, so they had they had their seersucker blazers, they had their white linen button down shirts, they have red Nantucket pants, and we're sitting on the beach in Narragansett Bay, drinking gooseneck pina grigio. Like this is the epitome of what I was trying to create. Yes, I love. That. I can like as you're describing it, I can picture it in my head. That's perfect. Yeah. So it was. Um, Again, like this is obviously a culmination of many years and it wouldn't be here without Paul. So it's, it's, I'm really proud of where it is. And I'm glad like to see so many people enjoying that moment that we're trying to create. Mm-hmm. Now, this question might be like asking your favorite kid, but what's your favorite <laughs> wine right now that you guys produce? It's definitely like asking for a favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody once told me, it's like, well, we all have a favorite. We just can't say it out loud. <laughs> exactly well you know what the reality of it is it's it depends how you feel like sometimes you feel like a steak sometimes you feel like chicken sometimes you feel like a salad Mm -hmm. and wines are no different um so you know like i love sparkling wines you know on a saturday morning or a sunday morning yeah um and sometimes you know like a chardonnay with a nice chicken salad with ranch dressing is is feels amazing Mm -hmm. um you know, sometimes you just want a, you know, nice red blend to relax with. Yep. yep. They all have their place in time. Exactly. Sure. Exactly. So just, it's, it's like, to me, it's, you know, like I, I love, like I tell people all the time, like, think of it the same way you would think about food. What do you feel like eating or drinking? Yep. yep. That's a great answer. Um, now, speaking of that, like, is there, and obviously this changes depending on what you're having, but like right now, sure. is there a favorite recipe and like wine that you like to pair together you just named a few but like what are you into right now for summer let's say um for summer um you know I'm still sticking to sparkling um I've I've recently been to a tasting which was an oyster tasting um yeah which is again different from I'm not usually an oyster person but it was a very interesting experience so thinking of the you know Pickpool de Pinay or Sauvignon Blanc with those oysters yeah. um, was amazing. Um, Paul has a dish, and this is probably why it has a, a special mark in my brain. But <laughs> so he, his um, his go to dish is a smoked butternut squash ravioli. It's kind Ooh. of like we're thinking about the fall. Yeah, and I remember he made it during um, a company holiday party one time, and he takes out a Pinot Noir, and I'm like. Pinot Noir with a ravioli like what are you thinking we're not doing this like bring out the Chardonnay or something and just like we can't he's like trust me just trust me like just try it I'm like I'm not doing it and I remember like being so mad and this is what he did and I tried it and it was the absolute most amazing pairing ever it's like that smokiness of the you know butternut squash and the creaminess of ravioli, it just, it, it was, it paired so well together. So it just, I'm trying to keep an open mind with like all foods and wines. Yeah, and pairs. Yeah. Well, and exactly. it also depends a little bit on the person's palate, like personal palate too, I feel like. For so sure. Some, you know? Oh my For gosh, sure. that sounds delicious though. I'm like, 
I'm so hungry now for lunch. <laughs> like if only I could whip that up. Uh, <laughs> what is one tip you have for business? Like, is there a piece of advice someone gave you that you hold on to? Um, you know what? I feel like when I was starting out, I didn't know as many people who were ventured out on their own. Um, but having, having a network of people that are doing it, uh, just makes it a lot easier. Yeah. Um, just because like, even if you're sharing things that they don't have to be problems, but like little things, and it's nice to celebrate little moments together. Um, I think it just makes it easier. And, you know, as, as bad as those setbacks feel, and it feels like it's, that's it, this is going to be the end of the business. It it really isn't just like, take a step back, take (laughs) a deep breath, wait until tomorrow. Um, you know, you, you can figure it out. Definitely. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to sleep on it and then everything's clear and you have a solution. Exactly. Um, Now, are there any other small brands or businesses that you like to shop that people can check out? Yeah. um, So we've been kind of collaborating this summer with a number of New England brands. um, And it's driven by Abby of Lily Bridge. I don't know if you've talked to her, but you should definitely reach out if you Mm -hmm. haven't. Um, piping prints makes really, really cute embroidered, um, preppy clothes for kids. And I think yeah. they have some men's stuff too. Um, obviously you had Sailor Sailor when you were a podcast, you know, yeah. we're a big fan and Crab and Cleek from Shea too. Yeah. Um, and then there is a local, um, jewelry company called Aaron Anchor, um, oh. who are a husband and wife team here out of Rhode Island. Um, and their, their messaging is kind of like, enjoy that moment, like, like enjoy the little things. Don't let life kind of pass you by, which, you know, kind of speaks to almost our branding as well. Yeah. Messaging. So yeah, it's, um, it's, I, maybe it's not exactly preppy, but I think again, the jewelry and the fact what they stand for. Yeah. It's, it's that lifestyle and coastal yeah, exactly. and for sure. I'll exactly. definitely have to check those out. Uh, so now what's next for you guys? Like, is there anything you're working on? Any sneak peeks, anything like that, whether it's a new wine varietal or an upcoming event or anything like that, that we can look forward to? Yeah. So we're, um, very excited again with people um, not traveling as much, and maybe we should have done this earlier, but um, we're starting to collaborate with some of the companies that are trying to do kind of travel virtual events um, and together with wine and kind of like take you, for example, like I know they do a chef from Rome who's going <laughs> to talk about something interesting and share a recipe and maybe we'll pair it with one of the wines. So I think we're going to try to do um, – organize a few more events. Uh, we, uh, launched the wine club, which we're very excited about, um, because normally, so we're in a kind of a wholesale business. So we Mm -hmm. sell to distributors who distribute our wines. So this is our first foray into direct to consumer, um, which we're very excited about because we love, you know, being able to get direct feedback and talk directly to our consumers. Um, 
So that should be an interesting year ahead. Yeah, no, I definitely have to go on and join your wine club here. (laughs) Uh, So my last question is, where can people find you? Like, what's your website address? What's your social media handle for the business? All of that so people can go shop your wines, follow along, um, all of that fun stuff. Sure. So we're uh, gooseneckvineyards.com is on our website. And we tried to put some recipes and blog posts in there. Um, and the same handle is on Facebook and Instagram as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I absolutely love this. Like I said, I love a great glass of wine. Um, so this was so fun to learn about you and your brand today. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the Preppy Podcast. I hope this put a little prep in your step for the day. Please subscribe, rate, and review on wherever you listen to your podcast and follow along with at the Preppy Podcast on social media.